Welcome to the Ignition Podcast. Today's guest is a man that I have now realized is a lot more complex than, than just a YouTuber. Mike Fernie has been inundated with his, his love for cars. He lives, breathes, and writes through his passion and creates some content, which I think we could all agree is inspirational it's it's entertaining and, and it's um, it's well written i can't wait for you guys to hear the conversation so without further ado mike how are we very good thank you how are you i'm very good thank you so um a little question that i like to start off with is what ignited your passion for cars um it started like a lot of people i think with family and uh, my dad um, he's an accountant, but um, his hobby is restoring classic cars. Um, so since I was a kid, I was always surrounded by uh, sort of classic MGs, uh, stuff as old as Lanchesters, going back to the sort of 40s, 50s and stuff. Um, so I was always around cars and always had toy cars uh, everywhere in my bedroom. But then I would say it went to the next level when I discovered Top Gear as a thing. And I was kind of late to it. I discovered it on Dave. So it's kind of already (laughs) gone from BBC and transitioned onto Dave. But I just, I watched it once and that got me ignited into new cars because I just wasn't in that world at all. Um, So yes, I was one of those kids that could recite numerous Top Gear episodes because I'd watched them probably... 25 times each on Dave and it kind of took off from there and then I learned oh wait no it's actually on the BBC let's go and watch it as it comes out um, so yeah that's where it all started and then the, my dad also took me to plenty of car shows which kind of cemented it so like NEC classic car shows yeah. so with the Grand Prix that sort of thing Wow okay so yeah you spent most of your time around classic cars so you, I'm guessing you're working on those things as well picking up the odd the odd spanner here and there and stuff and working on them uh, well, you'd think that. I, I'm not very good with my hands. So I, <laughs> okay. my dad would kind of bring me into the garage and be like, right, let's do this today. And I would just, because I wasn't good at it, I, you know, some people, they'd see something they're not good at and they'd want to get better. But I would just see that and crap at it and think, let the person that can do it do it instead. It seems more efficient. So, I, you know, I, I now I regret it because now in videos I'm getting more and more stuck yeah. in. And I'm really enjoying it. I, it's so satisfying working on cars, especially when you've got a professional just over your shoulder. Um, so I do wish as a youngster I got stuck in, but no, I must admit I was, I was a pretty lazy mechanic back in the day. So you didn't want to get in touch with the cars, but you decided to study mechanical engineering. Yes, exactly that. I, I got to near the end of school and I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, I like cars. Let's... I was thinking automotive engineering, but that just mm. seemed slightly too niche. So I thought, no, let's do general mechanical and then maybe specialize in automotive later on. Um, so yes, I applied for mechanical engineering, got into Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, um, which is seen as like the sort of engineering uni of Edinburgh compared to yeah. every university itself. Um, I studied mechanical engineering. And that, that was, I'm, I'm very proud of my mechanics degree, uh, but I, I sometimes get, comments where people people equate being able to work on cars and mechanical engineering degrees as like the same thing but they could not be further apart it's like you literally learn how how tall a dam should be 
and how long <laughs> a wind turbine blade should be. You do not learn how to take an alternator on and off a car. Um, but that's what I'm working on now. So I've got like the theory, now I want like the practical side of it. Oh, really? You can spend a lot of time applying it and working on it. Do you have a little like project car you're working on at the moment or do you just enjoy the stuff you've got at the moment, like the, um, like the S85? So, yeah, we've stepped it up recently, but uh, Drive Tribe up until now, we've kept it quite mundane cars to keep them yeah. nice and relatable. Um, and I think a lot of, the, you know, we're inspired by a lot of the old Top Gear stuff. And I think some of the best episodes are when they're buying cars for 500 quid and doing something cool with them. So that's kind of what we've stuck to. So we've gone like Mondeo ST, Mazda MX-5, Rover 25, like really, you know, thousand pound mundane stuff but yes we have stepped up recently uh with uh the m5 touring e61 so we've, there's a video coming out very soon on us uh mechanicing on that car and it is next level like it's yeah. the electronics on it are just absolutely crazy so to answer your question i i am kind of looking for a new probably not for the channel just myself a new mundane easy to work on car. So I'm thinking, weirdly, a Rover 620 Ti. That might be okay. absolutely nothing to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, a little two-litre turbocharged Rover that's very rare now. Um, and I've looked under the bonnet and it looks like it's quite easy to work on. So that's the aim. Because you think, oh, I've still got the MX-5, but we're putting a yeah. V10 in that. So again, that's kind of out with of my mechanical knowledge. So um, yeah, I want something nice and mundane that I can just tinker with. Brilliant. So, I mean, you're talking about the engineering side of it. So, how did the the journalist side of you start? I mean, you know, you you were freelancing at Car Throttle. How how did that come about? Yeah. So, I got to third year, a five year mechanical engineering degree, and thought um, I like engineering. I find it very interesting, but I don't know if I actually want to do it nine to five. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is spreadsheets and mathematics and coding nowadays, and it just it wasn't quite clicking with me. So I kind of had like a, a moment where I was like, what will make me the happiest? And it was driving cars. Mm. And then I kind of saw two routes. It was like, well, motoring journalist or racing driver. And I was already 20 at the time, so racing driver is probably not going to happen. I knew I could write a bit, so I thought, right, let's have a go at um, mechanical and um, not mechanical journalism. Um, so yeah, I hit up uh, a lot of places in London where all the magazines are based and basically went for uh, internships over the summer of my third year of uni. So I went to Auto Express initially and then to Car Throttle after that. And I really enjoyed the Car Throttle one because it was kind of up to date, modern, like compared to Auto Express, kind of old yeah. school magazine. Um, it was social media, it was really lighthearted, and the guys just seemed really cool. Um, and I kind of found my niche within that, because I was like, I can write technical articles, I can explain to people how things work on cars, um, what makes certain bits of tech really cool and innovative. And I started doing that, and they started going down really well with the audience. Mm. So when I got back from my internship, I then got an email saying, hey, that was really cool, would you mind from now till the end of uni writing some articles for us so i think i was commissioned to do four a month so like roughly one, one a week um and they're still they'll still be there maybe they, they, they are 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike Fernie Castle. I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff. Some good, some atrocious, probably. But I was finding my feet. Um, but yeah, that's where it all started. And um, that kind of got me, it, it fully in my mind, made the decision that once I finish uni, I'm going to go for motoring journalism and see what happens. Yeah, so that sort of, I guess, that internal, I want to say internal struggle, but how was that while at uni? How was that dealing with those sort of, I'm a, I'm a car nerd, but I'm doing a university degree that's got nothing to do with cars. So how, how was that for yourself? Yeah, it, it was an interesting one because I was seeing everyone else on my course going for like big time internships. Like while I was going and working at, you know, seemingly small magazines relative to, I mean, these people were at like Shell and Babcock and, just these huge engineering companies. And, you know, they were, if, if things went well, they would walk into a immediately high-paid salary and be immediately on a career ladder. So it did, there was definitely a, a few thoughts throughout the years where I was like, am I doing this mech degree and then kind of starting from the bottom? And mm-hmm. that was technically the case, but I think happiness was the main thing. Because now, now I chat to a lot of my pals from it from uni, and yeah. you know that the, they're all very well paid and doing great engineering jobs. But um, I think quite a few of them wish that they were driving cars and making videos about them. Because <laughs> it's kind of although they went down the traditional route, and I might have seen like I was being a bit nuts not doing that with this degree. Um, it, it all seems to have played out quite nicely. Um, I'm, I know I'm incredibly lucky that that's happened because yeah. it's such a demanding industry because um, everyone wants to have a go at it. Uh, so I know I've been very lucky, but um, yeah, it seems, to, it seems to have worked out well. So, I mean, I know you wrote in your um, personal blog because I can't say the word gasket case properly, but um, oh, wow. I've, I've dug, I've that. dug. Um, <laughs> you said you wanted your nine to five and your down to, downtime to be seamless. So would you say that you've achieved that? Did I say that? That's that's very interesting. Uh, yes, I would say that has absolutely happened. Um, I have somehow got to a place where I mean, it's it's silly that some of the stuff I do is work. Like I'm, yeah. last week, I was chasing the Stig Ben Collins in his 911 Turbo with me in the V10 M5, flat out country oh. roads chasing each other. And I just thought back, I was like, what on earth is going on? Um, the amount of t- episodes as a 14-year-old on Dave that I would sit and watch with that guy in the helmet, and now I'm, yeah. I'm taking after him just on a, on a sort of Sunday drive type thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all been a bit mental. And yes, I, 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 I work very late into the night because it, it just doesn't seem like work at all, really. I, I, I've said in videos before, it's, it's pretty crazy that I'm in a position where I can just sort of come up with an idea, find the car for it, and then within budget you know, restrictions, just mm-hmm. go and film it and put it on YouTube. And yeah, that, that just kind of blows my mind, really. When I step back, I'm like, wait, what is going on? Yeah, so I guess a 21-year-old Mike's probably very proud of future Mike now then. Uh, I guess, yeah. Um, it's it, I've, I've somehow fallen on my feet with it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not resting on my laurels at all. I feel like I'm only like 
just really started getting going. So I'm very excited to see kind of what happens next. But yeah, I guess if you hop back to those summer internships at Auto Express, because um, I think I was writing those blog posts just yeah. previous to those. Um, yeah, I guess all of that has kind of come to fruition in some shape or form. Yeah, so you've you've um you've done all that with with car throttle and stuff, and so how was the the transition from car throttle to drive drive? What was what was that like for for a young Mike? So a uh, drive drive was quite blatant, really. They they said that you know we've started up this new social media platform for car people. This was on I got a Twitter DM by the head of editorial at the time, and he said you know we are basing our editorial voice on car throttle but you know it's just very blatant about it and so, so much so that they they offered everyone as far as i'm aware every single staff member of car throttle got offered a job at drive tribe because they thought these guys are doing really well let's just do that um and what what turned out was <laughs> everyone rejected the drive <laughs> apart from me um, but that that was purely because I was told that I wouldn't be full time at Car Throttle. They wanted to keep me freelance and being up, what was I then, 21, 22, um, I didn't like that lack of security. So there was a yeah. full time job at Drive Tribe and it was connected with the trio. I thought, let's give that a shot. Um, so yeah, that, that was basically it. But by them seeing my articles on Car Throttle, they just thought, right, okay, let's get them in. And it'll happen very quickly. And as I say, it wasn't exactly formal, just literally a DM on Twitter. And suddenly I was, I was down in London. I had actually accepted a job at Auto Express. When Car Throttle said I wasn't going freelance, I, I was two weeks away from starting a job at Auto Express as a, a sort of traditional yeah. uh, motoring journalist, motoring writer at the bottom of the heap. Um, but then this DM came in and I'd say, nope, sorry, this is going to be the one. So I started off as a, as a writer um, and just kind of worked my way up from there. That's amazing. So you've, 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 take, you've turned down a job from Auto Express, one of, the, one of the biggest magazines in the UK and worldwide, to, to go to this trio-based um, car social media thing. I mean, how, what was that like? Yeah, well, it's, there was... Slightly more to it as well. I, I applied for the job at Evo because at the time, well, still, to be honest, Evo magazine is top of the heap. If you're looking at that magazine rack, to yeah. be fair, some people like top gear. For me, I'll always grab the Evo because well, the writers are next level. Um, so I applied for that and I interviewed for that. But then when it came to the result of the interview, um, they then, because they're all under the same company, it was Dennis yeah. Publishing at the time, uh, I was told, okay, you've got the job, but it's Auto Express. And oh, I was okay. like, oh, okay. And actually, it's weird. I know the guy. He's called Jordan. Uh, he, he was the guy that interviewed same day and got the evil one. So I would be oh, like, oh, yeah. But it's quite, it's very interesting. Um, what? But I sort of make sure to keep tabs on how he's doing because that sort of could be me sort of thing. Um, so, yes, that was another influence uh, because I thought Evo was like the really cool magazine and Auto Express is the much more news down the line yeah. um, magazine. So, again, when the Drive Tribe thing came up, I was like, 
I think I'm going to take that. It's quite rude because I've accepted the other job, but I think this is the one. Um, and being a startup, salaries are a bit higher. Um, and it seemed like the right call. It seemed like the potential at Drive Tribe was much bigger, um, which, depending on who you talk to, was the case or wasn't the case. Um, but no, it, it was the right call in the end, I think. It def- definitely was. So speaking of the trio and Evos and meeting your heroes, what was it like driving a Lancer Delta Integrale? It is still... It, actually, this is this is uh, very prominent right now because Ben, the, the steak, is after yeah. one school chat about them last week. It is still, when someone asks me what is the greatest car you've ever driven, it is between a Delta Integrale and a 911 GT3. Um, and yes, that little car, considering I'd only started uh, sort of blogging not too long before, I'm very lucky to, to know someone who had one. It absolutely blew my mind. Like I couldn't believe a car could handle that well. And I remember I picked up a Knock Hill race circuit and I went for a drive sort of around the hills, around the circuit. Yeah. And also because it's left-hand drive, you're like in the hedge. Um, which, I don't know, it's just such a visceral experience. I remember I couldn't shift it into third. I kept crunching third gear. Oh. Sorry, owner. <laughs> um, but yeah, still to this day, it is, I mean, to be fair, I might drive one now and my whole relativity might have changed and I might think it's it's a bit slow and a bit turgid now. But in my mind, that drive sticks out to me as one of the best. Um, and as I say, like the fact that it's, parallel the gt3 it's yeah it, it was incredible it shows that Nancy did know what they're doing at one point and exactly <laughs> hopefully hopefully i'll have a, a go in ben's one soon if he bites the bullet would you i mean would you do that would you um would you try and uh take on the nostalgia and relive that yeah i think so um uh, and I, I gather that the one i drove like it wasn't a pristine example so normally the ones we try to get for filming are, are like top notch. So to be fair, it might go to like another level. Uh, yeah. But yes, I'd actually love to get behind the wheel of one of those again. And I know that there's a company in Italy that are making like brand new ones, kind of like Singer. Yeah, um, sort of. Esque, so. so that would probably be even another level above that. Um, but yeah, I've not really heard anything about that. It's kind of a bit quiet. But um, yeah. if one of those does pop up, I'd definitely be keen. Brilliant. I mean, so you say it's one of the best handling cars you've driven. Personally, I, I used to have a, um, an R53 Mini Cooper S. That, I mean, have you driven one of those? Would you compare it to? Have I driven one of those? No, I've been in one by a passenger because the person that hired me at Car Throttle had a supercharged Cooper S. Yeah. Um, but no, no, I'm not driven one. But yes, I've, I've, I've helped out with a race team that raced them and I know that they're fantastic little cars. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it, I guess I get one of it twice now, so I've got rid of it, but <laughs> it's, it's a sad memory. But uh, so working with, working with the trio, how has, how has that progressed and stuff? How has, how has that from, from getting there to now, what's it been like with, um, working with them? Yeah, so from the start, uh, they were quite hands-off um, because although they, they launched Drive Tribe, I think the mindset was that, okay, we've launched it now. Now you guys go and make it happen, um, which is what we did for about, I would say, two solid years. We kind of didn't really use the trio at all. We just cracked on um, 
similar to the way Car Throttle has, just with social media and trying to grow the drive track platform itself. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the trio would pop in um, individually every so often for meetings and um, just to say hello sort of thing. Um, but then when we, uh, this is pretty mental to think about, but in 2020, there was genuinely a meeting at, at Drive Tribe about deleting the YouTube, tab, uh, the YouTube channel. So it was on, oh, wow. on 350,000 subs, which was mostly generated by, if you go right back to the start of the Drive for YouTube channel, it's Henry Catchpole, Jethro Bobbington, um, some more like traditional um, car journalists at that time. So they built it up quite quickly, but then um, they left the company and it kind of stayed static for a bit. Then we started doing commercial deals, which, um, you know, they were different to what we're doing now, but uh, we're a very commercial company now. Almost yeah. every video we do now is sponsored. But back in the day, we were doing like quite, you know, we were getting paid to do basically adverts. And we thought, right, well, we'll put them on our YouTube channel. And the audience hated them because you can't go from Henry Catchpole driving a 911 GT3 in the Scottish Highlands yeah. to look at this new Audi, look what it does. This is why it's so great. Like the audience, it was, it was really bad. So there was a, genuinely a meeting that was like, shall we get rid of the YouTube channel and start again? So we have a fresh audience and they don't all shout at us. <laughs> and thankfully it didn't happen. And off the back of that, I kind of stuck my hand up and was like, let's, let's crack on with this. Like we've got 250,000 subscribers we should be making videos and that will be a revenue stream. So the management almost couldn't care less really. I'm like, yeah, cool, go, go do something with it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of restarted the YouTube channel. My first video is uh, me with a Jaguar XJR9 Le Mans car, which was way too far <laughs> to be my first video. If you look back, I'm like shitting myself and, um, like trying, I'm trying to be Henry Catchpole. There's no two ways about it. Um, and then from then, I was like, right, we need to get one of the trio on to really get the channel going and to tell people that Drive Tribe is still a thing. Let's get one of the trio on it. So we got James May. Um, I explained to him what car Lightning McQueen is. I get a model of Lightning McQueen, yeah. and I actually like show him the bits on it. What's what? Um, and then from then, May liked being on YouTube. So we just kept doing stuff with him. So suddenly the Drive Tribe channel started to become almost like a James May outlet, really. Uh, yeah. um, so we started growing very quickly. And then that kind of then woke Richard up to it. So I can't remember what the first video we did with Richard was. Um, but yeah, he basically got into it as well. So we started doing stuff with him. And then we finally got Clarkson, who's by, he's an incredibly busy man. So yeah. I would say on average over the years, we get him for 15 minutes, I'd say, a year. So you have to be on the wow. ball when you, when you get your chance. And I think he literally phoned up my colleague Lucy and was like, I'm at the pub, come and film me. You've got 20 minutes. <laughs> so she raced out of the office with a tripod and camera. Oh, wow. And I think that first video was the Formula One rant, which went a bit viral. Yeah. 
a couple of years ago, him telling, I don't know, who in F1 to F off constantly. Yes. Um, so suddenly we had all three on the channel. So we're like, right, okay, we're really establishing ourselves. I was kind of filling in the gaps. And then between them, we'd have a May, a Hammond, and then, you know, very rarely a Clarkson one. Um, so I, I kind of see Drive Tribe as a, an outlet for them throughout the years whenever they weren't on the Grand Tour. So they do yeah. a Grand Tour and then they'd be a bit of a lull. And that's when they'd be like, right, Drive Tribe, would you like to, shall we, shall we do something? And May was the biggest um, enthusiast in that. He was the most keen to do stuff. That has now transitioned, um, I would say, to uh, Richard. Yeah. He's now super keen. And if you look at our channel now, it's, it's well, since I would say summer last year, there's been a lot more Richard on it. And going forward, um, it's still going to be all three of them, yeah. I think. I think we are due to have Clarkson on at some point fairly soon. Um, so yeah, that's still going on. But yeah, we've, we've kind of transitioned from May to Hammond. And I think Hammond will stick around for quite a while because I think he's, he's, he's really getting into it now. Yeah, I mean, it's the smallest car because he's got that little, um, so little, but it's a very big, very impressive workshop. So um, yeah, I mean, what's it like working there and, and just meeting the guys there and working with them and, and sort of just living yeah. that sort of car nerd dream? Absolutely. It's been really cool. I, I've actually... But I'm, I'm moving flat right now to be closer to the smallest dog because, um, yeah, it's just the perfect place for content creation and it makes sense to kind of be near there. Um, and yeah, Hammond has absolutely nailed it. His workshop is stunning. Uh, the cars coming in and out of it are yeah. so nice. And we basically have free reign if we want to do something, as long as it doesn't clash with the TV show being made, we can go in and film it. But he's, he's found the most amazing mechanics, the greenhouses. Yeah. Um, and they've worked on a, a couple of my cars recently. And they're, they're just absolutely fantastic. And we, we've now, it's just been built. We've now got a little drive tripe office upstairs. Oh, wow. Uh, which should be cool. And we're going to do like um, sort of celebrities, influencers, bring their cars to the cog and while they're up on the ramp getting like inspected or roasted or whatever, they yeah. then go up to the drive type office and have a little chat with Hammond. Um, so it'll be quite cool to, to kick that off. But yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. And um, yeah, I'm literally relocating to make sure that we can film there as much as possible. That's brilliant. I mean, for, for you, what was it like meeting them for the first time? Um, I had to think back to each one. When did I meet? So I I met May for the first time on that Lightning McQueen shoot. Yeah. And he was great. He's really chill. Um, he's he's taller than I thought he would be, so it's a bit sort of intimidating to start with. Um, but really chill. He's just like your cool uncle who I, I have a lot in common with him. We're into like, steam trains and planes and yeah like, yeah to be fair he doesn't like talking about cars that much he'd rather talk about basically everything else yeah um so yeah we can get nerdy about that and uh we kind of started that rapport right from the get-go um he actually he left his pipe in my car that day <laughs> real moment that's right he'd left and i looked down and there was james Wayne's pipe um, but yeah, and then you get it back to him. Actually, through filming with them more, yeah. um, 
you know, I, I got to know him well. First time I met Richard was, I think we did a Q&A with him. Uh, so it, it's kind of a thing, like, I, I didn't really meet, I wasn't senior enough to meet these guys in, like, yeah. meetings and stuff. It was, it was when we were filming. So there'll be an early Q&A somewhere on the Drive Tribe channel that when we switched offices. Uh, which will be, that'll be the first time I met him. And he had his production company, Chimp, in the same building. Yeah. And he was very busy with them. Um, so, as I say, he's now transitioned. So I, I'm, I have meetings with Richard almost, almost daily now, and I see him constantly at the COG and stuff. So um, I'm definitely the tightest with him now. Um, Clarkson, I have met him three times considering i've worked at drive tribe for what five uh, five years yeah um then three times again he's just super busy so like we literally get our filming slots and we we take advantage so i've met him it was once in the office and then twice at his farm uh the first one being when i drove his alpha and the second one being an interview i did at the start 2021 we did this video that was like visiting the mall in the one day yes yeah our year is going uh and that was that was the the third time i met clarkson although we should be seeing him soon because he's got some cool stuff going on anything you can share or (laughs) anything i can share has he put on let me just check jeremy clarkson's instagram because i don't want to get you in trouble (laughs) if, if it's on there i can see it I'll move very quickly. It is. Okay. I won't be specific, but there's a very small red car on his Instagram um, that his daughter bought him for his Christmas. It will be something with that, probably. Brilliant. Brilliant. So you've you got to where you are now. What is the the next step for Mike Fernie? What is the... What did you see yourself doing? Or what would you like to do with, with this... Um, journalistic sort of automotive career um good question i think i've uh, youtube is a pretty savage place in social media in general and i think you're only as good as your last video and that that means i don't know youtube just uh, audiences in general can be can be quite volatile so i think my aim is to just establish um, the best community possible in all of our um, social media channels, um, because car, car, the car world, the car industry can be quite vicious. Mm. Um, sort of, well, annoyingly, the word is probably quite tribal. Um, so, if you put something up that someone doesn't like, they're going to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll be they go further than just telling you, you know. Um, so I think my aim is to look at the Drive Tribe YouTube channel specifically in a year's time, and just have have the comment section being a really nice community. And I know that's very tricky on the, on the internet, but I know it's possible. So it's just a case of doing what we do best, doing it well, and doing it consistently. Yeah. And hopefully we can get there. I'm not. That's not saying that every video we put up right now is, you know, apocalyptic in the comments. Yeah. You know, 
vast majority are great. And actually, the, the channel has already made, I would say, a couple of transitions from where it was back in the day. Um, but I think just building on that would be my aim. Yes, yeah, so you want to make it more of a um, taking these these car these car people with various different I don't know whether it be BMW fanboys or the the um, the JDM lovers just to sort of unite. And so, what's that been like for you reading the comments and going through the the hate and the love and the sort of that sort of thing? How's that been for you? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I I when I first started. I would naturally read them because I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and it was okay to start with. I remember the main ones where people just thought I was a bit boring because I think my accent can um, seem a bit sort of drawn out and it's not very succinct. Um, so those kind of started off. But then when, our, when the channel started really growing and the videos started getting big views, that's when you know, you're casting your net out way further and the comments yeah. get you get a lot of good comments and you also get a lot of bad comments. Um, so as it stands and for about, well, I'd say a year and a half now, I don't really read them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do a thing where I, that video goes out and I leave it for a day or two and then I'll go on it and I'll read the top five just to see okay. what the gist is. And if it's, it's, if it's fine, then I'm like, okay, cool, click off it, sorted. And if it's not fine, then a bit more investigation needs done. But I, I always say to um, my colleague Lucy, if I sat and read the comments like fully, like some YouTubers do, they literally read every comment, yeah. uh, I, I would quit <laughs> fairly quickly because <laughs> um, it's just not worth it. Um, yeah. It's not worth listening to uh, a lot of them, and as I, as I say, this is um, our our comments are usually great. You know, yeah. our, our like ratios are you know ninety eight percent. You know, they're very good. Our audience is great, but every so often it, it kicks off, and I personally, if I'm happy that I've made a good video, um, I, I'm happy to just put it out there, and I kind of. I don't need any sort of further validation. If yeah. I think I'm happy with a video, I'm happy with it. Move on and make another. Um, if 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 someone in their bedroom doesn't like it, that's okay. But I'm not going to read it. Um, no, so yeah, I, I think and I think that's the kind of way to go, really, because I know some people literally read every comment, and that must mess with them. Yeah. Um, because that sort of, we're not used to that sort of negativity um, sort of being thrust in our face by people we don't know. I don't think it's kind of inbuilt. Um, so I just kind of stay away from it. But I think that combining with, the, with my previous answer, I think um, the way to create a much nicer community around the YouTube channel, in, in my opinion, is to just involve the audience more. Yeah. So that's been my aim basically from the start of this year onwards. There's, there's a video we did where um, we're looking for our own HQ, our test track to be like the drive drive test yeah. track. Um, and I very much make that video as if to say, guys, which one should we go for? Please tell us. Or do you know somewhere we should go? So I really include them in it. Same with the, the M5. At the end of that video, I'm saying, see this car as much your car as it is ours. So tell yeah. us 
what we're going to do. I, I asked people what color we should change it. And I was set on changing the color and everyone's piled in saying, do not change the color. The navy blue yeah. looks great. So that's, that's what we're going to do. You know, it, so I think going forward, I just need to make it, we were quite, we drive tribes in a weird space because some people see us as a company mm. and some people see us as YouTubers. So like, Evo and Auto Express and Carfection, those sort of YouTube channels can't act like that. They can have, they, they just do straight up reviews, straight up features that are random. There's no connection. Yeah. While my aim is to make the channel more like it's being run by a YouTuber. So every single video is connected, essentially vlogging, but yeah. very fancy vlogging. Because um, I think that's where your community comes from. Rather than, oh, there's a new video about the new GT4 RS. Okay, I'll watch that. Then the next video is about a new, new Rolls Royce and then a new Merc. And there's just, it's just no connection. They're mm. nice videos, but in terms of that community and the channel and making your subscribers love the channel, that, that's not the way to go. You need a storyline that keeps people coming back and... That's where project cars, familiar faces, all of that kind of comes together. Um, I know that's literally a 10 minute answer, but it's, it's literally what I'm working on right now. So it's like, it's is, is, very, is it the forefront? Like, is the channel becoming a better community yeah. every single day? And if not, why not? You know? well, that's brilliant. You've got a, you've got a very good um, sort of uh, called vision for the channel. And it's, it's great to hear that you're thinking more about the, the audience than than just producing videos. I mean, where would you where would you say this came from? Was it was it from watching Top Gear as a, as a kid, or or watching YouTube videos now and not being as happy with them? Where would you say this this drive this drive, if I may, to build the community into the YouTube channel came from? Um, I'd, I'd say it's inspired by the new school. Like I, I look at the YouTubers that I watch, and this is what I I find quite cool is that. If I wasn't working at Drive Tribe, I would be a Drive Tribe subscriber. Mm. So I kind of see myself as part of the audience. Um, so when it comes to coming up with ideas, I feel like the 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 success rate of ideas is quite good because I'm literally one of them. So if I think it's a good yeah. idea, chances are a lot of the audience will think of it as well. Um, so I, I yeah I, I look at the comment section of guys like Scene Through Glass, uh, TJ Hunt, uh, Stradman, all these guys, and the audience absolutely loves them. Like yeah. they're literally with bated breath waiting for every single word to come out of their mouth, which is great. That's fantastic yeah. because we're seen. I think we're moving away from that, but I think we were seen as quite corporate. Drive Tribe's this huge company that is founded by Clarkson, you know, this sort of thing. So, and that, that makes it much more abrasive. And I think people get riled up a bit more because um, they don't have that connection. So I think that's my main thing. It's like creating that connection. And I think, although uh, I do, a lot of our ideas are inspired by the old Top Gear days because we've effectively inherited the old Top Gear audience. So it makes yeah. sense in the latest video on the channels of POP50. So that's yeah. literally taken straight from <laughs> old Top Gear. Um, and I'm perfectly happy to admit that. I, I, some people say, oh, you need to come up with fresh ideas. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like 
I do do that, but also like nostalgia's king. So a lot of people like the power back class as well. So I'd say, yeah. I'd say the the real drive, as as you put it, is um, making our videos sort of uh, big company quality, but having the narrative of a YouTuber. Yeah. So, like, having, I mean, uh, I'll fully admit, uh, Carfection is like the the upper end in terms of aesthetic and production quality. And then I would say the greatest YouTuber, car YouTuber, I would probably say is Stradman. So yeah. I would say we're trying to fit right in the middle where we've got that production quality, but that level of storyline and community, just trying to connect every single video. Now we can we can do we can we can match the production quality or at least try to. Yeah. But what we can't do physically is keep up that YouTuber level of basically this is what's happened in my life today because they've got to a level where people are interested if they go for lunch somewhere. Mm. Our audience is not into that. It needs to still be a good idea. So it's, it's tricky, but that's, that's the aim, basically. Just make really top level, but content that you can actually connect to as well. Yeah. So, well, I mean, what, what YouTubers do you watch personally and take inspiration from? Who are you? looking at is doing it's doing really well at the moment he said strap man and stuff like that so i mean who else do you sort of do you see as being sort of innovative yeah. and sort of next level yeah i would say in the uk i would say the standout is seen through glass mm. i really like what sam does and he's actually in a very similar space now i think about it he the reason he stands out is because his production quality is is much better than a lot of his fellow UK YouTubers. But he also injects proper storylines into each video. And there's a plot to each video rather than just kind of randomness. But being a YouTuber, you can also go from video to video and you can understand his storyline. He's restoring his Ferrari 360 or he's buying a new daily. And the videos are really top quality, but they're also nailing those what's happening in Sam's life, tick boxes. Um, so I'd say he's top deep in the UK. As I say, Stradman is nailing it in the yeah. US. Like he's just a level above everyone else in terms of algorithm, like which means sheer views as well. Yeah. Um, but also storyline. Like he's he's building a house and basically buying a new car every week and you truly follow that. We've yeah. literally followed his entire house getting built. Um, which if we did that, no one would give a crap. But because the audience is so invested in that guy's life, he can basically do whatever he wants, which is the dream. I'm just going to leave my subscribers. Um, big fan of Jimmy Rob Ben. He's, yes. I would say, yeah. the only guy, Super GT, arguably. But for me, Jimmy, absolutely head and shoulders above every other sim racer and i think for him to get i think it's on nearly eight hundred thousand subs for him to get that yeah. from sim racing i think is phenomenal and it shows like how again how much people have invested in him as a person because sim racing itself can be quite numb but he's just made it happen basically um and then i, I can't not say car throttle really 
and <laughs> they they are well they they have been the it's be careful what I say here say what you want uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would say I'll, I'll admit that over the years we it's it's hard not to take inspiration from them because they have been so successful in especially that project car space so when I started the Mondeo project, the MX-5 project, which is still not finished, and the, the Beamer outside, a lot of that is because of how well Car Throttle's done it. And um, I'm, in, I'm very interested to see where they go. Uh, well, I, I know their latest project's a G-Wiz. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just don't like, lads, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, maybe it'll get the views. But uh. um, But Yes, they, they they have done it very very well, and um, you know they're, they're definitely seen as I I would say our, our main competitor in that space. Because um, I imagine they're trying to do very similar things, the whole community, yeah, high quality thing. I mean, would you want to do any videos of them in the future, sort of a collab, or would you? I mean, would you do MX five v MX five? <laughs> we I get asked a lot about MX five versus MX five. Uh, although my MX-5 is going to sound fantastic and it will rev almost twice as high as theirs, it will lose. Like, yeah. it's, it sounds great, but it's a 200 horsepower engine. And I think their Duratech car is like 260 or something. Uh, so, I mean, we could do drag races and a track day or whatever, but we just get battered. So for the content, it would be cool. But... Um, I'd be afraid that I'd get smashed. I think what I'd do is I'd have Jimmy like just around the corner with <laughs> MX5, this like 400 horsepower monster. They'd just be like, oh yeah, just wait a second. We've actually got another MX5 around here that, you know, it's, it's, part, it's part of the drive tribe team. Yeah. And then absolutely annihilate them. Um, although if they listen to this, that immediately means they'll know my plan. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think outside of that, I think that we should definitely do a YouTube MX5 event because yes. that would be our one. Jimmy's got like three. Uh, Matt Watson's got a supercharged one. Yeah. Um, there's someone with a just like a fairly chill turbo one. I can't remember who. Uh, and then the the car throttle guys as well. So I think that there could be quite a fun video in like. MX5s unite type thing. Yeah. I mean, speaking of MX5s, do you know who Jin Jim is? I don't, no. So Jin Jim is a, I mean, for me, I've, I've watched him forever, but he started off with a NA 1.6 um, Miata he calls Molly. And if you want to watch a build that I think is one of the best MX5s on YouTube, that is, it's amazing what he's done with that car. He's, he's taught himself fabrication. He's taught himself everything from from the age of 19 to he's 23 now. But yeah, just a quick plug for him because I, I personally think it's amazing. But yeah, how, so, how, do, you, how do you spell his, his thing? Uh, G-I-N-G-I-U-M. I mean, he's cool. doing cra- he's doing crazy things now. Like with, um, he's got a 1UZ drift truck and he did an FD RX-7. So he's got, he's got some stuff that might be worth of interest, but yeah. Yeah, I'll have to take a look. Is he in America? He is, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, all these good. Yeah, I'll definitely put that link. Yeah, building a mid-engine eclipse from scratch, but there we go. Um, but yeah, so 
I know we're coming towards the end, so I've got just a few sort of just silly car questions. Yeah. Um, so what what car would you bite your arm off to review? What would be the magnum opus of of uh, Mike Mike uh, Fernie's Drive Tribe reviews? Jaguar XJ. Ooh, is it? <laughs> you can have more than one. I was about to hammer in an answer there, but then suddenly it is between. It's a three-way battle, which is a shit answer, but I think I'll, I'll end up picking one. Jaguar XJ220, Porsche Carrera GT, Jaguar CX75. Ooh. But I think I think the CX-75 would come out on top just because it basically never was. There was only five built as prototypes. Mm. And even then, I think there's only two that actually still have the original, like, Williams four-cylinder running gear. So I think it'd be one of them because that that was a 900-horsepower hybrid supercar two years before the P1 918 and LaFerrari came out. So everyone's yeah. like, they're the Holy Trinity. And I'm like, lads, Jack, <laughs> not knuckled down. Yeah. They, they would they have beaten them all to it and potentially made an even better car because the people that have driven it rave about it. It's really? such a shame. And I, I did a video about it. Um, one of my first big videos on Drive Tribe was about that car and how it's such a shame. And to this day, I harass Jaguar PR, I would say twice a year. Uh, asking, please, can you put some oil in that car, please, and give me a go? Um, but yeah, they're, they're not keen yet. But maybe when we get to three million subscribers, I'll just I'll strong arm them into uh, letting us go. You message them, just message them seventy five times a year and see if they get the hint. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that was brilliant. It was in Bond and everything, wasn't it? So that was. Yes. How how it didn't catch up to a DB10 is beyond me, but there we go. <laughs> We're just going to ignore that movie magic and and move on. But anyway, oh, um, your three car garage. What would you What would you have? Top three cars? Any any anywhere? Ooh. Anyone? Have I just named them? Have no, you? No, there's definitely not a daily in there. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I'm very lucky. I think the car outside right now would would be my daily E61 M5 Touring because um, I just love V10 engines growing up when they were in Formula 1 um, yeah. I cannot get enough of the sound so I think that would be one I think I can't pick CX-75 because it wasn't a thing so I'm going to put XJ220 as like okay. my silly Sunday drive car and then I think I'd go race car um, what would I pick there? Now, I've got it in my mind, but I cannot remember what it is. It's basically a, a Peugeot 905. Okay. I'll need to Google this after. Peugeot 905 race car, but they made a junior version. Um, God, I can't remember its name. But basically, they made a half-scale... Uh, actually, no, no. Changing my answer, it would be a Austin Rover... C286. And again, no one will have any clue. I, I, I have a clue what that is. <laughs> but it's a very small 1980s Le Mans car. It's only got 10 inch tires, mm. 10 inch wheels, sorry. And it's got the engine from the Metro 6R4 in the back of it. And it uh, was ran by the Acuria Cos race team, which I'm very patriotic. So that, that being a Scottish racing team. Um, yeah. That little car is called Reggie, 
if you if you Google Reggie the Austin Rover, it will come up. Okay. Uh, or if not, C two eight six, and you'll see it. Lovely little racing car. So yes, Austin Rover C two eight six, XG two twenty, and M five Touring. Yeah. And just to end, so the you got you've got a one car and you've got one road. What would you drive, and where would you drive it? Ooh, I've not been on it yet, but there's a road on Mallorca that Catch Bull's done a video on called the Sacalobra. Okay. Uh, he went there in a Boxster GTS, I think. I think I would go there in a CX-75, I think, because hmm. it's small and the hybrid power would punch out there, but it's an XJ220, it would be shocking on that road. So yeah, Sacalobra and Mallorca CX-75. Well, maybe that's a video we'll see soon. That, <laughs> if I can get with Jack to ship the one of two CX-75s oh. to Mallorca, I will invite you for free. You can come along. Please do. <laughs> I mean, get Clarkson. Let's say, get Clarkson to ask, and you can probably just hop along that, and they, they you maybe, probably more, make it happen. Regardless, well, um, Mike, thank thank you so much for this. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure and honour to be able to speak to you for the for the past hour and a bit. But, no, um, cool. Thank you very much. I'm very humbled by the invite, and um, yeah, good luck with the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, continue doing what you're doing because it's clearly um, bringing joy and frustration to a, to a lot of people. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. That was one of the best podcasts I think I've recorded. Mike is humble. He's fu- funny. He's entertaining. He is so down to earth with the success that he has uh, from growing Drive Tribe from 250,000 subscribers to now over 2 million. With, with the help of the team around here, Mike is constantly striving to have new ideas, take old ideas and bring nostalgia to a YouTube community that he hopes will be united by, by their love of cars and I hope will become something so much more than just a YouTube channel, will become a community that hopefully will inspire more people like us to do more with with their passion for for cars and to delve more into the car scene that we're all so obsessed with in our own little bubbles but to take the time out of his day to speak to me for an hour is is what it's all about I think for him is to to give back to the community that he loves but also to sort of take that passion that he has and share it Mike is continuing to to take YouTube seriously he continues to impress us with the ideas that he's coming up with and that I hope for the foreseeable future the content that he and the Drive Time Drive Tribe team produces is only going to be better and better and better in fact I know it will I am always looking for new people to record the podcast so if you enjoyed this and you know someone that would love to talk about their passion for cars or cars or anything around the subject for, for with me, please send me an email to harry at ignitionpod.com. That's harry at ignitionpod.com or drop me a DM at we are ignition on Instagram. That's we are ignition on Instagram. Don't forget to follow the podcast and rate the episodes because 
it will help me know what what went well, what went didn't go well, and which one you guys most enjoyed. So, this is me. I'm Harry. This is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>